Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, hello, hello. It's Sunday. It's Sunday night. And yes, the international break is over and the Premier League is back, back in business. And because of that, it means that here at the Football Social Daily, we are back to normal service with the Premier League weekend review show. Nine games to get ourselves through this weekend with stacks of goals and stacks and stacks of talking points right the way across the board as the Premier League crashed back into action. Manchester United 4-2 defeat away at Leicester. That means that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is facing yet more questions this weekend. We're going to be looking into that game in part one alongside Liverpool, who turned in a five-star performance against Watford. Then in part two, it's the blue half of Manchester. City cruised to a 2-0 win over Burnley. But despite that, top spot still remains in Chelsea's hands as they scrapped out a 1-0 win away at Brentford. And then to wrap up the show tonight, we'll be looking across the rest of the weekend. Busy, busy action. Key wins for Southampton and for Wolves, plus a subdued start to life in the new era at St. James's Park. Right then, plenty to get through on the podcast tonight. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me, we have freelance football journalist Pete Hall. Pete, how's things? Very good, thank you. How are yourself? I'm very good. I'm very good on this Sunday evening. And joining myself and Pete, we have the Daily Mail's Northern Football Correspondent, Jack Gorn. Jack, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thank you, mate. I've just um, I'm off to Bruges in the morning. I'm still not packed, so I'm just that's that's my worries at the moment. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. That's the uh, the life of a football journalist on the road. Pete, you were on the road yesterday, and so we're going to bend your ear on this one. Manchester United four two defeat away at Leicester. Disappointing stuff for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on the back of the international break. That means it's just one win in five games for Ole and one 
in their last f- three, sorry, in, uh, in in Premier League action. Big story from this one was probably Harry Maguire. That's where we're going to focus because in the build-up to this game, we're all expecting him not to play. Rafael Varane's been ruled out for three weeks. Harry Maguire clearly wasn't fit, missed the international break with England and he was pressed into service at the King Power yesterday and it was pretty much an unmitigated disaster for him. Oh yeah, uh, even from his first touch 15 seconds into the match, straight out of play, uh, you, th- you, th- you, thought the, you thought the right was on the wall for him uh, on Saturday and it didn't get any better than that really. Um, he, he gave away the first goal and he probably had a hand in all, in all four goals really. He didn't pick up Jamie Vardy for the Leicester's third goal and his marking for, on the back post. Um, for the uh, for Leicester's fourth has, has already been made into many a meme on uh, on social media. It was a nightmare afternoon, but uh, I'm afraid that one's on the manager. He shouldn't have been in there. He shouldn't have been thrown in there. Um, he wasn't fit. He wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. Even if he was fit, he wasn't prepared. Um, and it's a damning indictment on on the rest of the options available to Solskjaer, really, because he clearly doesn't trust them that he would play a 70% fit Harry Maguire um, in such a big match for him, it was a big. It not, you know, it's early in the season. You can't necessarily say it's a it's a big result, a big um, match for the for the team. But for Solskjaer, he needed a a positive result really with the pressure on, especially ahead of this nightmare run of fixtures he's got coming up. And to play Maguire in that game when he clearly wasn't fit, it was a big call and uh, one he got very very wrong. And when you look at the situation, Pete, obviously, as you say, this run of games that are coming up, Leicester was the first one on the back of the international break. It is quite a daunting, quite a testing run of games for Solskjaer. And Varane is going to miss the bulk of that based on the game yesterday. Maguire mm. either isn't fit or might need to be pulled out and rested for, for at least one or two of these. Where does this now leave Solskjaer? Atalanta in midweek and then Liverpool next weekend. He needs to make a decision on this. And if Maguire is not fit and turns in a performance like he did yesterday against Liverpool, this could be a bloodbath for Solskjaer. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a difficult one because the other options, <laughs> as we've seen in the past, they're not great. Um, and he obviously doesn't trust them. Uh, and with with reason, really, consider on, on based on past performances. Um, a few more days and he might be fitter. He, sh- he, sh- he certainly shouldn't play it on Saturday. He might be he might be uh, ready for the uh, for the Atalanta game um, on on Wednesday. But um, it's a tough one for him. If it, the the decision has to come down to is whether he is fit and ready to play in these games because um, I as as we saw uh, when he a bewildered Harry Maguire at the King Power Stadium. If you're not prepared, you're going to get given the runaround. At Atalanta were the top were the were the top goal scorers in Serie A last season. Um, above champ, above champions into Milan, above Juventus, above AC Milan, uh, and they're not going to be afraid to have a go uh, at Old Trafford uh, and pile on the misery. And then it's the small matter of Liverpool at the weekend. So it's not going to get any easier. He's got to get these big decisions right. Um, if 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 Maguire is fit. And he's and he's prepared, then he can play. But if he's not, you, you have to trust. You have to trust your other options. You have to trust your Eric Bailly's or someone like that. Just to, you, you can't you can't go into these games with someone who isn't isn't fully fit in such a key position. Um, Solskjaer was quite prickly in his post-game against Everton before the international break and again yesterday he seems annoyed he seems angry that he keeps Mm. getting asked these questions about what's the problem with Manchester United what's the situation with your future and he does look under pressure and he does look a little bit rattled and I mentioned some of the results that United have picked up and they face this this massive storm of games in the next four to six weeks what exactly is his position at the moment United have been quite clear in the summer that they want to back him obviously he signed the contract extension etc but 
given the fact that they've brought in Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane, etc., they're not going to stand for a slow start and potentially losing ground on Liverpool and City and Chelsea. And based on the first few weeks of the season, and particularly the last month, that is the case for Solskjaer. United made a bit of a rod, rod for their own back, really, with that contract extension. It wasn't like it wasn't like other clubs were banging the door down to try and poach Solskjaer, was it? So I don't necessarily think that they needed to offer him such a long-term deal. I, I get that they needed to back him. United have made progress um, throughout the last three seasons. Uh, slow progress, but progress nonetheless. Um, so perhaps he did deserve a you know a, 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 a stay of execution at least. But this contract this contract means that they they do want to back him long term. They signed up Mike Mike Phelan, uh, one of Solskjaer's key assistants, has, has, has signed up long term as well. Um, so the club have been adamant that they want to back him, and they still see that's still their that's still their stance on it. But. If you look at these fixtures and you look at the way United have been playing and Liverpool, Liverpool could run right at, at Old Trafford really and and then it doesn't get any easy after that with, with, with Spurs and Man City to come not long after that as well uh, in between f- further key games in the Champions League in the space of a month United's season could unravel uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's arrival ramps up the, the pressure to, to, to start winning things for United United already needed to start winning things given they haven't under Solskjaer but his signing means that now the pressure is on even more um, and United's season could, could, could be they could be really up against it after this run of fixtures if they don't get the results that they need and you have to you have to look at Solskjaer if, if, if that's the case Bizarrely though it's a run of fixtures that in the recent past these are the sorts of games where they've got results because they don't yeah. want the ball they never want the ball do they? Yeah, yeah. United don't want the ball so it, it'd be It'd be interesting because even if they went on a decent on a decent run now, I don't think it'd tell you a great deal about them. Um, it's strange, and I mean, the contract the contract's interesting in the sense that, yeah, it was a statement of intent. But with these sort of contracts now, is that somehow whether he's got three years on his deal, one year, twelve years, he's going to get he'll basically get twelve months money if they sack him. So actually, it doesn't really matter how long his contract is, mm. um, apart from. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a, from a PR perspective I suppose Just one other thing on United before we, we move across to Liverpool Peter I want to ask you about Paul Pogba because Solskjaer's post-game press conference was obviously interesting mm-hmm. Paul Pogba's chat with the media after the game was, was arguably more revealing uh, he said we've been trying to win these types of games for a long time and we haven't found the solution to our problems we conceded easy goals stupid goals and today that's been the case once again if we want to win this title or mother, other titles these are the games we need to win even if it's hard and even if it's difficult I understand the fans, fans frustration but we need to find the solutions and something needs to change at Manchester United pretty definitive stuff from, from Paul Pogba and, and United fans might take this one of two ways. Obviously, they'll, they'll see his frustration. They're feeling some of the similar frustration. But given the fact that he finds himself in this contract limbo, his season, um, his contract is up at the end of the season. Is he going to stay? Is he not going to stay? You can see where he's coming from. But maybe, given the situation, he's not the best uh, best spokesman for Manchester United at the moment. <laughs> not in not in many people's eyes. No, um, he's he's a divisive figure because yeah, he comes out and says this after he put in. He was he was probably one of United's worst players on the pitch at, at the King Power. So to come out and say that he's going to ruffle a few feathers, but it needs to be said, and he's right. He's not wrong. Um, Solskjaer agreed with him in his post match press conference. I suppose he has to uh, after after that after that performance. 
Um, but it's, 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 it's a difficult one for Pogba because he, he, as as he's done many times, he's started to show some form uh, and he's tailed away again. I, I, I put the blame for that down at the, at the manager. He started at the start, you know, started the season in his preferred position on the left, um, on the left in more advanced role, and it worked. You know, he 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 registered more assists in one game than he did in the entirety of last season in the Premier League. And then Solskjaer's moved him further back, and yes, he he, he can work in a in a midfield two alongside N'Golo Kante, but. Uh, alongside Nemanja Matic or, or Fred or someone like that, it's a, it's a, it's a different story, and yeah, it's, it doesn't work when you've got Ronaldo walking around up front and not providing any pressure whatsoever. To then the next line of defence being Paul Pogba uh, and Nemanja Matic, it's uh, yeah, it's not difficult to break. Uh, you know, not overly difficult to break uh, this United team down. So Solskjaer needs to come up with a solution and a solution fast and. Uh, Paul Pogba in midfield. I don't think is that is that answer. Yeah, there you have it. From the word of Pete, uh, from the mouth of Pete Hall, and from the mouth of Paul Pogba, changes needed at United. <laughs> right, we're going to flick across to Liverpool. Jack, going to go to you on this one. Pretty straightforward, but absolutely ruthless stuff from Liverpool away at Watford. Claudio Ranieri's return to English football absolutely ruined. Five nil goal for Sadio Mane. Another brilliant one for Mohamed Salah, and a hat trick for the first time since 2018 for Roberto Firmino. Given the fact that Liverpool last season, so much of the talk. You know, there was obviously a bit of banter between fans surrounding injuries and the impact that it had, but ultimately it did have a, a big impact on Liverpool's push to defend their title. But you look at 2018-19 and 2019-20, it was top two, Liverpool and City, Liverpool and City. And we end the weekend in a situation where they're still there or thereabouts in the conversation when they're pushing to, to win the title. Given the fact that Liverpool have got all these players back and got them back in form, are Liverpool and City now the best two teams in the Premier League? I think uh, I think Chelsea can Chelsea can win the league as well. They've got um, they've got the depth in their squad to make it a three horse race. Uh, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a four horse race with United, but it's not looking <laughs> not looking like that's going to happen. I mean, I think the main difference for Liverpool this year is uh, going forward. And like a lot of people spoke about Van Dijk last year, quite rightly, and he was a massive miss. Um, but they're scoring loads more goals this year. I think they were. I think they ended about 15 goals behind City last season. And bearing in mind City didn't have a striker as well, um, or still don't. It was quite a big gap that, and it looks like Liverpool going forward looks like Liverpool going uh, in an attacking sense looks the same as it was two years ago. Salah seems to have got a bit between his teeth this this year. Wants to win the Golden Boot back. Um, seems to be laying on more goals as well this time. Slightly. Um, slightly more unselfish, I think, uh, in and around the box, which is uh, which is helping Mane uh, in particular. But then obviously Firmino chips in as well. So I think that kind of Van Dijk coming back and then not suffering with the, the, the same level of injuries this time is massive. But I think what that's done is given every given the team more confidence in everyone behind them. And the people behind, so then they can go and they feel a bit more liberated to go and play yeah. the way they want to play, which means that we're seeing them score tons more goals. 
one of the issues that came on the back of those injuries last season was this crisis in defence. No Joe Gomez, no Virgil Van Dijk. I think at one stage Klopp was was nearly going to throw himself in to to play a couple of games because they were that short of numbers. They've addressed that in the summer and brought in Konate, but he hasn't really managed to force his way into the team. It's been Joel Matip and, and Van Dijk that have been pretty much set in stone. But you look at this game yesterday. They made the decision to send Alisson and Fabinho straight on to Madrid to avoid quarantining in the UK. James Milner, Quiven Kelleher come into the starting eleven. Liverpool do now have depth. Last season we saw big exposures in certain areas of the pitch where they were really, really short to cover and maybe one or two players dropped off from, from their performance levels from winning the league 12 months beforehand. Given the fact that they have got all these players back injured and aside from Harvey Elliott, who's a long-term absentee, they do look sharp and they do look ready to, to launch a title push. Yeah, I kind of you'd say at the start of the season that they would be one of three or four that could win it, and I would have them slightly ahead of City at the moment in who I would deem as, as favourites because there's everyone seems to be pulling in the right in the right direction. Although I kind of with the depth thing, I mean we saw it's not it's only two weeks ago since Phil Foden almost retired James Milner uh, at Anfield when he was a makeshift. Well, not makeshift because he's played there a loads now, but like Milner played at right back, and he just kind of it, there is that drop off from you know if someone like Alexander Arnold isn't about, there is there is a bit of a drop off in the in the biggest games. But I mean, yeah, it's like very simplistic. If they <laughs> if if they've got a, a squad that's largely fully fit um, and they have two two men for every position, then they've got a far they stand a far greater chance of going deeper into the season in all the all the relevant competitions and trying to win the win the title back off City because that, that kind of that rivalry between the two clubs is is great and it's the sort of thing that's been missing for a while in the Premier League uh, just looking across at Watford Pete Ranieri horrible return to English football he's been parachuted into Watford Cisco Munoz has been sacked first Premier League casualty of the season Ranieri's come in yesterday and you could see during the second half the frustration he was screaming at the players to you know just keep going even though <clears throat> the game was, was long well done and they, they definitely lost it one of the most surprising things that I noticed from the game yesterday was just for a Premier League level how out of shape certain players look Danny Rose Craig Cathcart I know they're up against Mo Salah but they really really looked off the pace and you know if it wasn't for for Sissoko kind of firing around in midfield this could have been really 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 embarrassing for Watford Ranieri does have you know obviously a big job on his hands he he needs to drive them up the table and get them away from from the relegation zone but given the fact he's going to have such a long to-do list to to tick things off what is the first thing that he needs to do because they've got a difficult run of games Everton away next weekend Southampton then Arsenal United Leicester Chelsea and Man City before he goes into that block of games he needs to get certain things sorted what's the most important thing for Ranieri to do in the next week Um, when you've made the start that they have you've got to make them it was you've got to stop them making such basic errors defensively Um, and just it was a bit I just felt like um, the, 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 the first half um, yesterday was um, was just a bit. It was a bit, a bit too cavalier. Like you, you're, you, you've you've got an inform Liverpool um, in town who've who've scored three or more goals in each of the last six away games, and they didn't really set up to contain them early on. Like I mean, it was. It was just a bit naive, and it just it sort of, sort of reeked of, a, of of Ranieri not having long enough with his, with his players to to get this message across to them. Um, first and foremost, is you, 
especially with those fixtures you just mentioned, Virgil, that you can't go in, you can't go into games leaving yourself ex- exposed defensively against teams like this. And they, I don't think as as good as Liverpool were, they didn't have to play particularly well to break them down, um, because there was just so many gaps. So I think try and try and add a bit of solidity, especially in the sort of the middle of the park to. Just to give them to give them something to build on, you can't go into games and concede goals as early as they did against Liverpool because the game's over before you've even got started. So it's 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 a simple thing. And Granier will know he's 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 been around the block, uh, but it was just it was just too easy. And you've just got to you've just got to make it harder for opponents, especially early on, and and send a message out that you're not just going to roll over. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we're going to do a quick bit of trivia before we take a break for you both. Uh, Sadio Mane knocked in his 100th Premier League goal for Liverpool against Watford, uh, joining a club of the no-penalty goal scorers. So I've done a bit of digging around, and I'm going to put a quick disclaimer in first. Jack, I'm going to go to you first, and then Pete. Disclaimer is on Andrew Cole. Now, according to any numbers that I've found, Andrew Cole didn't score a Premier League penalty, but Mr Cole himself says that he has. Now, I'm not going to argue with Mr. Andrew Cole. So we're going to have that as the, the Andrew Cole disclaimer on this. So, Jack, with that in mind, forgetting about Cole for a moment, Sadio Mane became the third player to score 100 Premier League goals for his club, joining which other two players to score 100 or more Premier League goals without ever scoring a Premier League penalty? Go. Emil Heskey. And give us your other one. Les Ferdinand. Okay, two good shouts, Heskey and Ferdinand. Pete, go on, give us yours. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I know, Le- Les, do I have to say different answers? Because I, I know that Les Ferdinand is right, and I'm pretty sure that Heskey's right, so I, I don't I don't want to look like I'm copying. But I think, I, I think... No, 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 it was two, it was two. No, we've got no, two. I think, got I think two is Heskey fine. from Jack. If you want to go with... So you're going Ferdinand and Heskey as well? I'm not... I'm not disagreeing, no. I, but I, but I, I just want, for the record, I want this to know that I, I, these were the options I, I was <laughs> going to go for anyway. Okay, okay, okay. Well, the truth is, Pete, you're far, far, Pete, you're far, far too suspicious. The answers are Emil Heskey and Les Ferdinand. There's no trick questions yes. here on the Football Social Daily. You yeah. got them right. You know, <laughs> we'll just pretend that you didn't check it online yeah. while Jack was answering. So you both got them right. A draw. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Les Ferdinand, Sadio Mane, and Emil. Delete, delete, delete. And delete, Emil delete. Heskey, Andrew Cole. Uh, the uh, the discussion surrounding Andrew Cole will just have to rage on because according to the website that I've checked on this morning he <laughs> didn't but nobody is arguing with Andrew Cole over that one right we're going to take a quick break and uh, you know we're not going to ask any more trivia questions because it gets way way too complicated after the break <laughs> it is Manchester City 2-0 win at home to Burnley and Chelsea are still top of the league 1-0 thanks to no small part Edward Mende they beat Brentford we're going to be getting to both of those games in just a second football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode football social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Yes, it is Sunday night and we are back on duty in Premier League action. And a quick reminder, if you're a new listener to the podcast or if indeed you are a regular fan, if you hit subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new podcast every single day. Here at FSD, we are your only daily Premier League podcast 
podcast. Right, we're going to switch across to Manchester City now. Jack, you were at the Etihad yesterday and City against Burnley normally goes just one way, which is a City hammering. Last three seasons, it's been 5-0 to City. Just the two goals yesterday, 2-0 win. One for De Bruyne and one for Bernardo Silva to get the three points. Pep Guardiola, quite straightforward in his post-game afterwards, talking about the international break and the difficulty of getting himself back into rhythm for the Premier League. But three points on the board and City just roll on. Yeah, it was like, just one of, those, one of those days that you, you, you get occasionally at City where the, it's not particularly exciting, um, but they get, the, they get the job done. I thought Burnley were actually quite good um, and had a couple of couple of decent chances um, I think Corne went clean through at 1-0 uh, and probably should have scored actually uh, which would have made it a very interesting game but it's just it was one of those where City created enough to win the game 4 or 5-0 but it never felt like they were they were going to go and run riot at any point um, yeah it was a bit it was a bit of a snoozy afternoon to be honest um, it's interesting that Sterling played through the middle after you know what he's what he said in the week um, about how he wanted to play more games. So he started uh, on Saturday through the middle, probably not his favoured not his favoured position. Although he would say he'd play anywhere, um, he just looks his confidence looks shot at the moment, um, and he I think he needs one to needs one to go in in off his off his chin or off his hip or something um, just to get him just to get him going. Because uh, it's it's amazing watching him like from the from the player he was two years ago that was scoring every week and he got forty three goals in two thousand in the calendar year of two thousand nineteen, which I think like only Lewandowski and Messi got more that season or that that year sorry, um, and then to to kind of watch him now where he's he, he's just second guessing himself all the time. It's even even before the game he was doing extra finishing, um, so like all. All the players go and have a bit of finishing up against the the, the substitute goalkeeper. In which case, in this case, it was Scott Carson, and it all finished. And Sterling carried on um, for a few minutes on his own, and it's you just you could almost see him overthinking it, even as he was mucking about training beforehand. So it's, it is a proper confidence issue. He looks like his his confidence has been knocked and. Don't know. It just feels like everyone's just waiting for him to click back into gear, but it's not yet happened. Um, maybe it will on. Maybe it will on Tuesday night in in Belgium. And looking at his situation, he's been quite straightforward about it, and, and so has Pep Guardiola. As you mentioned, he's he's hinted that if a move was on the table in January or, or potentially even next summer, and he's not playing, he would look to, to go abroad. He's probably not going to stay in the Premier League. Pep Guardiola has also been quite open and said that if the right scenario comes around, he wouldn't stand in Sterling's way. But Jack, as you say, like you cast your mind back 12 months, 18 months, Raheem Sterling was the main man or one of the main men for Manchester City. And you look at his numbers this season... That was just his third Premier League start yesterday. Not particularly impressive. He does look devoid of confidence. And you go back to that little block of really, really important games before the international break. He didn't start against Chelsea or Liverpool in the Premier League. And then the PSG game in the Champions League was a situation where he started, had a couple of chances, but couldn't score. It kind of sounds strange to say, but given the way things are going right now, is the writing on the wall in terms of him leaving or can this be turned back? I think... I think his fortunes will turn and I think it'll change and I think he will I think he will stay at the club um, and it's worth noting that whenever Pep is talking about 
players are unhappy because there are there have always been a few players at any one time at City that are unhappy with game time because he rotates the squad so much. Um, he's always said that if a player isn't happy where he is at City, then it's his responsibility and his agent's responsibility to go to the club, present them with an offer that they've got from elsewhere and then the club will look at it. And he's remained... He, well, he just kept to that kept to that line on Friday when he was asked about it. Um, can I see him going anywhere? I don't know who can afford him. I genuinely don't know. Like, you know, talking about Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like, Real Madrid want to sign, use all their money signing Mbappe. Barcelona have zero money. Um, so you're looking like if he was to go on loan, for argument's sake... Barcelona would need his wages subsidising and why on earth would City subsidise his wages uh, for a player that they, that they are going to play so I don't know it might have just you know the, the, the stuff midweek with the Financial Times which was filmed two weeks ago it was a pre-record um, just as he joined up with the England camp I think I think it was the day that he joined up with them mm-hmm. maybe it's just a shot across the bowels um, and this is the sort of thing that, is, that players do use but it's kind of becoming less prominent. So when it does happen, it is, it, it does come as a shock. But I think Alan Alan Sheeran said on Match of the Day, he said it was, a, well, he said it was a non-story, which is complete nonsense for him to say it was a non-story. But mm. he said it's a good player who wants to play football, and that effectively is, <laughs> that's the story in a, in a nutshell. And it's I can't see City allowing it to drag on for months and months because he remains one of their most important players and uh, when he came I thought he played well when he came on at Liverpool the other week I actually thought he played well at PSG as well um, through the middle and was slightly unfortunate not to score when he hit the bar with a header um, so he, as I said before I think he's just he's just one going in off his arse away from starting starting to fly again um, and I think everyone kind of hopes that he does because it's quite difficult to watch at the moment uh, looking across to one of the other big games from last night, Pete, Brentford nil, Chelsea won. Three points for Chelsea means they stay top of the Premier League table, 19 points from the first eight games. But this doesn't really tell the story of the match. Just looking at some of the numbers, seven shots on target for Brentford, hit the post twice, no goals. Chelsea, one shot on target, one goal and three points. The post-match press conferences from the two managers were quite interesting. Thomas Tuchel said that Chelsea were lucky, whereas Thomas Franks went one further and said they were lucky, lucky, they were very lucky to uh, to even get a win, let alone a draw in this one. But there's, there's two sides to the coin here. Edouard Mendy was fantastic in the last 15 minutes, made three or four excellent saves to, to make sure they got over the line and got the win. Teams that win titles do have to get through these types of games. They do have to tough it out and you know be under pressure and maybe get a little bit of luck in certain situations. Or do you think this is maybe a little bit of a worrying precedent for Chelsea? Because on the back of that City defeat before the international break, they don't look quite like themselves just yet. No, I've been quite surprised with them recently. Um, and I think what the, one of the, 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 the main sort of surprising aspects to Chelsea recently has been is... Is is the players that Tuchel's brought back in really from the considering the embarrassment of riches that he's that he's got, um, like the Juventus game for example, Ross Barkley got got uh, got onto the pitch uh, as the as the antidote to the problems, and and Ruben Loftus Cheek has been brought back in and he's, and he's been very impressive. Um, 
and you, and Hudson Odoi, all these players you forgot about because of the other players that they brought in and their and their ridiculous um, squad that they've got. Um, and now Tuchel's chopping and changing so much, bringing all these kind of giving all these kind of players a chance. He doesn't know his best his best team yet. And it, it at the start of the season that would have seemed strange to say because they had such a set system that got them. Um, to win the Champions League, um, and you know, there's some impenetrable unit that, that, that almost picked itself really. And you just Romelu Lukaku was added to it, and, and and there it was perfect, the perfect setup. And they were off to go and win the Premier League back. Um, but I've, in the last in the last month or so, things have unraveled a little bit. And and look, Chelsea should have lost that match. Uh, Brentford were were brilliant. Just you know they have no it's a free hit isn't it a game like that so they went for it uh, another day they would have won by three goals Mendy had an amazing game yes you need your goalkeeper to produce the goods in games like that um, but I think I think there is a little bit of concern here because it's not you're right in, you're right Fergal in the fact that teams cha- you know champions throughout the season do need to win games when they're not playing well but Chelsea haven't played well for you know five, five or six games now and um, and it, that must be a bit of concern to Tuchel, who is who is who is such a perfectionist. But as he's shown since he's come to England, he, he you know he he will he will he will have a a plan in place, and he has the tools to do it. So I I wouldn't be too concerned. But uh, Tuchel being the perfectionist he is will will be a little bit. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we're going to call it there for part two. The top four in the Premier League table is the same at the end of the weekend. Chelsea, as you mentioned, top of the shop. Liverpool in second on the back of that 5-0 hammering of Watford. Man City in third. And yep, Brighton are still fourth. We're going to be talking about the Seagulls in part three alongside all of the other games this weekend. Big wins for Wolves and Southampton and a brave new era at Newcastle. All that to come in just a second. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Busy weekend of Premier League action, nine games across the last 48 hours. In part three, we're going to wrap up the rest of the action from this weekend. Aston Villa 2, Wolves 3. Spoils look like they were going to be shared in this uh, in this derby clash, Pete, but Wolves... They're a different animal in the last couple of weeks. Bruno Lage has made some changes tactically and in terms of personnel. He made some really, really important substitutions at the right time yesterday. And 15 minutes to go, 2-0 down at the home of your biggest rivals or biggest local rivals in Aston Villa against Wolves. And Wolves deserve massive, massive credit for this. They got a bit of luck with the final goal, Neves' free kick taking a deflection to go in. But Bruno Lage has changed things up and it's making a big, big impact What's been the big changes that he's brought in in the last few weeks to prevent them just going into a tailspin and dropping into the relegation zone? Wolves have been a weird one this season um, because um, at the start of the season, they weren't doing much wrong. They were having 15, 15 16 shots a, a game and not scoring. They absolutely battered United and should have and should have won 3 or 4 nil and ended up losing the game. Um, they, they, they did the same, I think, in the first sort of three or four games. So I think what what they've done, what they've done is not done too much different, really. Um, and yes, they 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 got luck at um, 
at the end against Villa and the goals came from set pieces as well I mean which could go either way um, but they deserved it because they haven't had any luck at the start of the season and it was just a matter of time of just sticking to the principles they've got they've got so much talent in that squad really um, and it, I, I thought Connor Cody's interview after the game was, was, was interesting in the fact that he was talking about how much they've worked on the set pieces um, so it wasn't necessarily a fluke that the goals came from set pieces um, because they just needed they just needed that something extra they weren't doing too much wrong in attack they were creating the chances they just weren't going in um, Rahul, Rahul Jimenez coming back to full fitness has uh, uh, as, as made a massive difference to that um, when you need someone to put the ball away um, and have that sort of strike know-how that a lot of other players don't um, but yeah with that with that the options that he's got then they, they were all I think they were always going to come good because it's, it's it's a good squad that he's got his, his balls and, but he's been brave he's been brave in making attacking changes at the right time and it's paying off uh, looking across to the big game from today Jack Newcastle 2 Tottenham 3 obviously prior to kick off the big story is the PIF takeover at Newcastle United and, and the new era with, with Steve Bruce in charge for now at least the game was overshadowed by a big delay just before half time when a Newcastle fan was taken sick according to the latest news that we're getting through now the fan has been stabilised in hospital obviously we send our thoughts and best wishes to the supporter and his recovery um, events on the pitch it's very, very difficult for Steve Bruce in this type of environment. He's he's fronted up to the media this week in his press conferences, but the Newcastle-Steve Bruce revolution lasted about two minutes. Callum Wilson put them in front after two minutes. St. James's Park goes absolutely wild, and then Tottenham just steamrolled them. And Dombele, Kane getting his first Premier League goal of the season, and then Son, own goal with a minute to go for Eric Dyer gave Newcastle a bit of hope, but this is never going to last with Steve Bruce in terms of staying in charge with the new owners. But on the back of this result... We could be talking days rather than weeks until Steve Bruce is is removed. Yeah, he's he's not um, he's not got long, and watching him on Friday in his in his presser, he, he knows he's not got he's not got long. Uh, felt like those were the the final swings of a of a man who wanted to get a few digs in before he's before he's gone. Uh, so I was talking to someone about this earlier. Actually, it's a bit incredibly exciting job for someone, but. They're going to have to really back their own ability, as well as having that ambition to 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 rebuild a, a club. Because it, nobody knows what these owners are going to be like. Um, you don't know whether it's going to be a hire and fire and culture. You don't know whether this the first appointment is going to be quite short term to uh, reshape the squad over the next kind of twelve months, and then maybe it'd be gone. Uh, it's, it's a it's a massive gamble for whoever takes it. It looks. A really exciting move for whoever on the surface, but they would need to drill down into the details of what's expected. What are the you know what are the aims for the for the next twelve eighteen months? Because it's such a it's they've got a massive job on to um, yeah. in a recruitment sense because the the squad they've they've spent they have actually Newcastle have actually spent quite a lot of money, but the, the squad's not good enough to to kick on. So I don't know it. It's going to be an exceptionally interesting few months at Newcastle, and I was talking to someone about Gerard before, and whether Gerard might fancy it. And it's like, well, Gerard will probably back himself, but mm. is he looking at it going, well, I could actually take my chances of the, the Liverpool job when Klopp goes if if it goes badly? It's not an easy, not uh, the decision's not quite as easy as you'd think. 
on who who takes that job. I don't think um, because there are so many unknowns attached to attached to the owners and, and what the plan is. Yeah, I think whichever way you look at it, it's going to be a massive, massive job uh, on for whoever probably replaces Steve Bruce, which we expect to be a change made in the very, very near future. Moving on, Southampton won Leeds nil. Another manager under pressure, although not to the same level as Steve Bruce, Jack, is, is Ralph Harsenhutl. Prior to this weekend, no Premier League win so far this season. Armando Brocker pops up with his first ever Premier League goal and this will ease the pressure on Harson Hootle. He'll still be on that list of managers that you'll be looking at in the build-up towards Christmas of will Southampton make a move, will they look to stick by him, but this is a big result to take a bit of pressure off him and you'd be quick to think, yes, Southampton might react, but he does have a lot of credit in the bank. He's very well liked by the players, by the fans, by the board. Do you think this is just a little bit of a storm that, that he has to weather? Yeah, also, they, they, they've had quite a difficult start to the season. They played... Um... United, when United weren't as bad as they are now. Uh, City away, they got the result at City away was a fantastic result. They were great that day. They've also played Chelsea away as well. Um, we'll probably get a, a fair gauge on where Southampton are in three or four games' time because they've got some easier fixtures coming up. Like they've got Burnley at home next week, and then if they, you know, if they follow up the Leeds win with another a victory against um, a team that's down there, then it looks a completely different picture. Um, and the couple of times that I've watched them live this year, they've, I think they've done all right. They've looked quite cohesive, and I really, really like the lad that we got from Chelsea, mm. Livramento. Um, I think he's he's been really, really impressive in his first two months in in the Premier League. Um, and as you rightly say, Fergal, he's got so much credit in the bank that they could they could have gone on a on a run um, a little bit longer than this, and he, he still I think he still would have been would have been safe. I mean, they didn't even mm. sack him after. Shipping nine goals, did they? So um, he's uh, yeah, he's well set. And they, I do think they have that ability to to hit teams on the on the break in a way that some of the others down there don't. Um, and I think they'll be all right because they've got Burnley, Watford, Villa, Norwich next. So. Uh, last two games from the weekend, Pete, throw this one across to you. Everton against West Ham. West Ham 1-0 win up at Goodison Park. This definitely wasn't definitely wasn't a cracker in, in anybody's uh, estimation. But in terms of West Ham, really, really solid form. Four wins in the last five in all competitions. Knocked United out of the League Cup. Still looking relatively steady in, in the Europa League. And, and crucially, they're still managing to pick up points in the Premier League. They're not letting the Europa League hangover bite at them. And, Whilst this wasn't the most exciting game in the world, three points in the bag, David Moyes wins back-to-back seasons at Goodison Park and, and West Ham, you get the sense, are moving in the right direction. Yeah, sometimes you need to win games like this um, sometimes and no matter how much you're progressing. Um, big blow for Everton, really. Um, after their performance at Old Trafford, a game they should have won and, and actually felt disappointed to 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 not win um, given the position they got themselves in and the chance they created at the end. Um, but it turns out David David Moyes wasn't a fluke last season, was he? After all, and maybe just maybe he's a he is a damn good manager after all. And 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 following Sir Alex Ferguson was always going to be the impossible job that it was. Um, and and fair fair play to him. He, he, he takes more stick than uh, than most given uh, given his his um, his time at United. And and look look at him in the season. Uh, not not had a great deal of money to spend. Turn Michael Antonio into a superstar striker. Great, great. All, all credit to him. 
Yeah, David Moyes is not a bad manager. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thought it, really, in terms of his performances with West Ham? Right, final game of the weekend. Jack, I'm going to go across to you on this one. It definitely wasn't a cracker. We're following the theme with Everton-West Ham. Norwich, nil. Brighton, nil. Another point on the board for Brighton and another clean... Sorry, another point on the board for Norwich and another clean sheet for Brighton. But you look at the chances that Norwich had to win this game. Timo Pukki and, and Sargent both missing absolute sitters. Daniel Farkas tried to be positive and say it's another point, it's another step in the right direction. But if you're missing those types of chances, even at this early stage of the season, it probably is moving in one direction. Cutting edge, same as it was two years ago. They have no cutting edge, and uh, they didn't. They, they, this season, they've not had that kind of glut of goals that they got from Pukki at the start of um, of the year uh, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it's. You can't keep missing chances like that. It's, but I was looking at it going, Shane Duffy has been a uh, a revelation in my fantasy team this season. Come from nowhere. <laughs> they were giving him away. So I'm quite happy to have him <laughs> scoring six points for me every week, which was good. So I'm very glad for Sergeant and Pookie. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's a, a fairly strong point. Uh, Jack and Graham Potter, two of the only people to have had faith in Shane Duffy, or as uh, he's called, as he's called by certain Ireland fans, the Irish Van Dyke. Not me, but certain Irish fans will be calling him the Irish Van Dyke. I think that's maybe a bit generous to Shane. Right, we're going to call it there for the Sunday edition of the Football Social Daily. Pete, Jack, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Great stuff. Great stuff as ever, guys. And Niall, Marley, Jim and the rest of the team will be back tomorrow taking a deeper dive into some of the Premier League stories from the weekend and also previewing the Monday night action, the Patrick Vieira derby. Vieira goes back to Arsenal. Don't forget to check out that episode and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.